0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Meaningful Shit Show hosted by me, Vincent. And today we're going to talk about emotion regulation. As usual, I'd like to start with a quote. And they're both going to be, we'll start with two quotes. They're both going to be by Marsha Linehan, which, uh, who that is, will become relevant a little bit later. First quote is acceptance is the only way out of hell. And the second quote is, somehow I lost all ability to regulate not only my emotions, but my behavior as well. It was an alarming and rapid, complete descent into hell. All right. So it sets the stage already. I mean, the the two parts. The um, uh, very essential part of emotion regulation is uh, actually experiencing the emotion and accepting them. But we'll dive into that. And the second part I find really interesting as well. If you do not have the ability to regulate your emotions, you do not really have the ability to regulate your behavior. So let's step into that. So I would like to start this episode with a personal story of what learning, starting to learn to regulate my emotions did for me. And uh, just as, as, as you guys, I'm, I'm still on the journey. I am not perfect. I wouldn't even say that I'm, (laughs) I would say I'm any good at it, but, you know, I wouldn't be in the state championships yet. Uh, I do, however, have some tools that I would want to share, right? Those who can't, teach. Tools that I think that should be taught in high school, really, and maybe, you know, I have a 14 year old nephew and I am a little blown away by what they, uh, what they get taught in high school these days. Like it seems more relevant than some of the stuff I did, but hey, I do still find it shockingly bad. No, I do find it shocking how bad people often are at regulation uh, of their emotion. Why that is we'll go into that later so a lot of people are actually more caught in the bind of trying to avoid a lot of stuff so i grew up in a household where um, people were not really emotionally available and for good reason or for for reasons i do not even necessarily look back at my parents and have harsh judgments on why that why that was um, we had um, death in a nuclear family my mother really really early on so I was raised by my stepmother and of course like such an event such a traumatic event of like losing your wife for for my dad and losing the mother for like myself and my sister um, create something that's really hard and raising children that are not your own, and having your own trauma from the from the past is also really really hard. So if I look bad, I'm not as upset of like how the fuck would they? What were they doing? Were they like drinking, doing drugs, uh, partying all night? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a situation like uh, like that. It was just a raw deal, and uh, stuff like that just happens. Bad stuff happens to good people, uh, but. It did leave some some marks. I didn't have great role models on emotion regulation, right? And that has something to do with my childhood. Very probably has some genetic factors as well. Uh, I do feel like my emotions are a bit more raw and intensive than for the average bear, but that's an external experience, so you can't really even say that. I do tend to react more emotionally, especially on the masculine spectrum. So, but over the years, and actually a little later than I ideally would have, I build up more and more of a toolbox so I could handle these things. I don't want to preface this by something. I mean, it's um, it's fun to watch a YouTube video about that and actually it's as much about you as it is about me for me this is a great way to embody the work to really the research that i do allows me to really think about this in a deep way but this shit is work so things often start by listening or reading a book or something like that but it won't just do it for, uh, for you, even if on a theoretical level, it makes sense if you intellectually understand it. So the only thing that I'm hoping for is an insight and the stories to inspire you to dive into this more, but it will be work. There will be exercises. You will have to be, become very well, well in tuning your awareness. It's a part of people just don't really like. It's like everybody wants to eat healthy and we want to have the end result and shortcut, but we don't want to deal with prepping it, planning it. And before we know it, we're just ordering whatever crap online, because we haven't really thought about what we're, what we're going to eat. Um, but even if you pay someone to do it, get a meal kit, it it's, that's a good place to start, but it's not always personal. You do need a personal approach, what works for you with your personality, etc., etc. The same, I mean, is if you compare this to running a marathon, um, you can read everything you want online on how to prep for running a marathon, and that is essential, and that can be the inspiration for you actually starting on that journey. So there's something really positive about, about that. But there is something beyond it. So, viewer beware. It's going to be work for you. Let's go into a couple of definitions. I like to do that, just set the stage. What the fuck is an emotion? It's a natural instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationships with others. So this is from uh, Oxford Dictionary. I would, well, there's a couple of things going on here. A natural instinctive state. So, comes up from, like, sort of below. It's not a rational process. Deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationship with others. It's an interesting choice of enumeration. Circumstances, actual events that happen to you, mood, doesn't really necessarily have to do with, 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 with what is happening to you. It's your state of mind relationships with others. Interesting that that's mentioned specifically. And we'll dive into that, why that is. Why are emotions particularly defined or derived from that relationship with others? So I have another definition. This is from the skills, training, handouts, and worksheets from DBT, Marshall Linehan's DBT, more about that later, page 209. So emotions motivate our behavior. Emotions prepare us for action. The action urge of of specific emotions is often hardwired in biology. Second part, save time. Emotions save us time in getting us to act in important situations. Emotions can be especially important when we don't have time to think things through. Part three. Strong emotions help us overcome obstacles in our minds and in the environment. So in this, it's less of a definition. It's more like why do emotions exist, right? Um, And there's a couple of interesting nuggets here. Motivate our behavior, right? So they create an incentive, be positive, being negative. To act in a certain way, and it prepares our 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 body biologically for action. The moment we're angry, we start gearing up for battle, right? The moment we're afraid, we start gearing up to run away. Like there's emotional responses to to uh, or sorry biological responses to these emotions, and if you look where these emotions come from, um. Some of these emotions are kind of like lower level. You can imagine if you're like a tiny, barely aware creature or not aware creature. Fear isn't important. Like before it is something that does the thing to us emotionally, it's something that would live in our body, even if we don't have any like mental recognition of, uh, of that. Something happens in reaction to sudden movements. A body gets prepared to fight or flight. It makes sense that that was there in our bodies, still regulated by the mind, but in our bodies before really us experiencing in the way that we're experiencing it on like an intellectual level. So they save us time to get to act in important situations. I really like, or spoke to that because it gears up our biology. It makes it easier for us to go into a certain direction we are ready ready for battle whatever it is to yell to run away and it can be especially important when we don't have time to think things through this is the part where you also emotionally can get stuck in a loop because we're emotionally dysregulated we're not really thinking about very well what we're doing or what we can do but the emotion already prepared us for a certain direction so we're going to run away we're going to yell we're Strong emotions help us overcome obstacles. So it seems in the previous points where I talked about is that emotions like sort of drag you down in a direction, but it's also like stepping up to the plate. Although there is a deterrent in your emotions to not do a certain thing, they do create the necessary incentive to get something done. Right. What is emotion regulation? Simply the ability to exert control over one's emotional state. So instead of just being a slave to it, being like, um, able to regulate, able to get to a state that we want to go. And there's a little bit of a double edged sword here. Um, more about that later. I'm going to touch on that in context of dbt as well, but there is something sneaky about changing emotions because emotions sort of like per definitions are not wrong. It's not an effective way to look at it. like I shouldn't be angry now. you're fucking angry. you should be angry. After checking the facts, it might not be justified, but that's something that's something else, right? So there is a little bit of um, tricky situation uh, going where you have to step out of your own perspective and look at it from different points of view, which can be really, really hard, right? So in order to control your emotional state, there is a certain openness required and not like this blinders on going forward. We'll get to that. Wonderful. So. A couple of other things on emotions, what they do for us. I already spoke about the hardwired in biology. Some of the things we just like simply have to do when we start, all we start all it's involuntary, but emotions also serve to communicate and influence. I like to say at the speed of light, because if we have to wait for the spoken word to reach us, or even if we're in a dangerous situation to formulate these things, right? And I have an example that comes to mind when my partner and I was just moving into this apartment and we have this huge standing mirror that um, we were like sort of positioning a place where we wanted it. And it we're sort of leaning against uh, the wall uh, until we uh, were in a position that we could actually put it, put it up, you know, m- mount it to the wall. And as part of that, at one point, I tried to set it up in such a way that we could really see how it would look. And then in that way, like when you angle something against the wall, you know, it stays stable. And I put it up a little bit too upright. So as I turned around, it was starting to fall and our like, dog was under that. And although my partner was ultimately yelling, yelling out something, I don't even remember what, it was already so clear on her face that, like, something was going on. I could see where her gaze were, was towards. There was, you know, the words were not really necessary. Like, by that time, there was already, you know, I was already moving. So that's an, that's an example of the shock that leads to facial expressions, that leads me to recognize those facial expressions, puts me into, into action. Some of the other things that are just hardwired across cultures, I find interesting as well. Supposedly, like things like disgust is a really good one. That even if you go into a village, a uh, small village in the Amazon that doesn't have contact with the outside world, disgust is disgust. It looks in the same way. These are these are hardwired and therefore really, really easy to recognize when when that happens. And it can be, of course, really advantageous. It's not just facial expressions, body language, tone of voice, same situation. And it just skips a lot of symbolic interpretation, language processing, stuff like that makes sense. But it's also um, a way to communicate to ourselves. This is where like sort of that awareness part comes, uh, comes in. Because how do we communicate to ourselves? We can feel our facial expressions and we can feel biological changes. Heart rate increasing, starting to sweat, weak knees, things, uh, things like that. So it gives a cue about a situation that our rational self might not have spotted. Right? You have an, an, an amygdala in there, and all it does is in a very efficient way scan for threats, not in a way that your rational mind can. But you do become aware of the emotional change of. The amygdala have a flag, something that you find scary or dangerous. So, um, Since there are these brain structures that are dedicated to it, like the amygdala, it's just going to outpace your other brain factors. So no matter how um, hard-nosed, rational, etc., you are, the en- entire emotional response system although you can like sort of numb or train yourself in a way that you are not really conscious of them they're still going to outpace your brain functions and this is the cute thing about emotions as well even if you're not aware of them maybe especially when you're not aware of them they are going to affect your behavior anyway and i have good examples of people in my surroundings that i just feel are like sort of susceptible for that, it, and I, I get it because the whole thing about being aware and like listening to your body and where's the emotion in your body—it's—it sounds so woo-woo, so new agey and stuff like that. Especially if you're really into like a, a masculine side, of side of the house where you're also were raised like men ought to behave as men and stuff like that—all this touchy-feely stuff doesn't really have a place there and that's fine but it hamstrings you it allows you to do certain things fine but it makes you sit a little bit of like a, a puppet of your emotional system because you're not aware of it and what you're not aware of you can't change you can't influence it it drives you right so you have to have to be mindful so why is this important we've been in the other episodes so far talking about happiness, decision to make happiness, and this is a little bit like of a different topic. But at the same time, why it is important is like kinda of, duh. I felt like it was really important to talk about this. Because without like sort of having these basics under control, it's really hard to to make the decisions that make you happy. Because there's a lot of things that your emotional systems will throw you off track every episode i tend to talk about how does your environment interpret that because that that's a thing that's particularly hard for me and i think being able to reduce your emotional suffering makes some of these things easier difference being between emotional distress and emotional suffering like pain is unavoidable you know, emotional distress is on, you're going to get angry, like whatever, all of that is going to happen. Suffering is when you don't accept that. So when you occupy a space where it ought not to be, that's what turns into suffering. So you might be looking or watching this and wondering, okay, what's, what's my level or mastery of emotion regulation? How much does this apply to you? So chances are, if if you've clicked on an episode about emotion regulation, um, you at least struggle somewhat or you're interested in the topic. So there's there's a couple of a couple of points to this question. Some of the things I've already alluded to. First of all, are there like severe consequences that you suffer from? Do you often get into bar fights? Do you have DUIs? Do you stay in your apartment for days on end? Uh, do you find it hard to stay in a relationship, to keep a job, to find a relationship that you want, or other things where you have goals in life or intentions in life that don't seem to pan out for you? Do you self-sabotage? Are you prone to victim thinking, like the victim thinking versus owner thinking? Right? Oh, this is uh, this is happening to me. Oh, oh, woe is me versus well 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own damn actions right there's a difference there is there's a difference and victim thinking um generally doesn't really doesn't really help it um shirks the responsibility that you actually have do you self medicate uh do you find it important to hide calm down with compulsive activities that can be drinking pornography masturbation not leaving the house um, checking your stock portfolio uh, playing games doing work any of these things that 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 grab you (laughs) record youtube videos Um, anything that takes you out of your real life, uh, or and or are activities that don't really build up to something that you that you want, right? Take the example of uh, video games, like playing video games. Of course, it's a way to relax. So I'm not poo pooing video games. I've played a bunch of video games, but are you using it to escape something? Is the, is the question. Whenever these. um behavior patterns tend to be uh tend to be present that that's an indication for you that there is some lacking there and that there's a lack of mastery so getting in trouble is not mastery avoiding is not mastery exposure leads to mastery so the question is can you handle difficult emotions in a skillful deliberate deliberate way wow okay deliberate way Because difficult emotions are going to happen. You can't avoid them a lot of the time, right? And that's like sort of our knee-jerk reaction to just not have them there. But what is really important is to be like ready for these difficult emotions to to welcome them because that's kind of how life is. That's, um, you know, if you're ready for it, it's still something, don't immediately start doing it. This tomorrow, um, opening up yourself up to difficult, the difficult situations, this preparation is required. Right. So I have a personal example. I once got so emotionally dysregulated that at a traffic light, I got out of the passenger side of the car and started walking back, which would have been a miles walk, kind of great. As a kid, I would scream and yell and smash my Legos at the door you know, of my room so that they'd explode in a million pieces. Uh, I would regularly start packing to leave when getting into an argument with my partners without really the attention of leaving. Um, hanging with other people's emotions. I find that really, really hard. I'm empathic and I can only hang with that about like for 15 minutes like being sportive and before I like sort of it osmosis into me and, and I can't anymore. Like at least, you know, that's where I am right now. Worst time I lost my shit was when I was on the phone with my partner while she was in uh on I seventy, like a busy uh interstate in Colorado, in a snowstorm without proper winter tires and skidding all over the place while there was cars going around it. And mind you, this was after she'd been stuck for like hours in in traffic, right? This was one of the situations where like I know I-70 better. I go skiing there. She doesn't. Um, And I unsuccessfully first tried. She was on a longer trip driving back to Colorado. Um, My intention was to get her to stop in a hotel because I I knew that it was going to be bad for multiple reasons. So I was a little frustrated about that. She can be like kind of like blinders on. I just want to get home. So I was trying to stay regulated, but at one point things started going south because like you don't really have control at that moment anymore. So I just started screaming myself over the phone. And I very angrily got into my car, which did have winter tires and stuff like that. And I had no problems driving like sort of the opposite direction direction and I I got her to stop somewhere at like a Starbucks or something like that that I that I knew only like basically an hour and a half or maybe even less away from home but while driving that I was very distraught I was full of self-harm thoughts because I was so ashamed of losing losing it in such a way like it's someone who is in a hard situation and I mean, it was an interesting thing because it was a perfect storm of multiple things going wrong, and I don't, I don't know if emotion regulation per se would have saved me, but there is like an action which it would have been very important to have noticed that moment of getting too dysregulated and attaching an action to that. And of course, I've spent some time thinking about it since. But in the situation, I should at one point not have been on the phone. It was a terrifying situation. But um, I can't really add that much at that point being on the phone. Um, and it's better for me to regulate myself so that I can actually problem solve and be supportive of the moment that that is actually necessary. But this is a hard situation regard, regardless. Um, but it's good to be able to regulate to a certain level and also know your boundaries as far as I'm concerned. That's, uh, that's part of it. So um having said these things, like some of the things obviously I've I've overcome. But there this last story that I told you, you can clearly see that I'm still if I would walk into a situation like that again, that would still be a struggle, right? So I'm I'm not done. Right. So let's talk about how to regulate your emotions. First of all, in these topics, Often I hear people thinking that they are unique and it doesn't work for them because of X or Y and they don't work like that and that's this or that. And that's shirking your responsibility. This does apply to you. Don't be lazy um, or just be fucking honest with yourselves. Like I don't want to do the work. I don't find it important enough. That's fine. But don't try to like weasel out because you feel like it doesn't, it doesn't apply to you, it fucking does apply to you. I have news for you. So I'm going to talk a lot about DBT. It's a, a therapy modality that I am rather fond of because it's very skills focused versus specifically processing uh, events and going back into childhood and whatnot. So DBT stands for dialectical behavioral therapy and it dialectical means composing, combining, composing, also find opposite ideas so it helps people accept reality of their lives and their behaviors as well as helping them to change their lives including them their unhelpful behaviors and this immediately reminds me of being very helpful in if you're stuck in addictive or compulsive behavior which i definitely have how like those are big words and stuff like that and even with people that have been in DBT, if, if you would just like pull them out of the group and ask them to describe what dialectical is, they'd probably be like, uh, I don't know. The way that I just really easily like to remember it, it's just about walking walking the middle path, right? Often you get stuck in this pattern between acting in and acting out. And that's like a little bit more like addiction recovery terminology. But from this perspective of like, I'm doing everything right, I'm on the straight and narrow. I'm like overly buttoned down to like fuck it, let go of everything and just do whatever the fuck you want, right. So some of these extremes and the middle path is, for example, reasonable mind and emotion mind, right? You can't just be reasonable all the time or emotional like all the, these are these are extremes. and there is something in the middle which in DBT is called wise mind. So both regulate actions and make decisions based on reason and take into account values and experience even strong emotions as they come and go, right? It's not just cutting everything up. You got to do both. You got to do both. Another example is the doing mind and the nothing to do mind, right? And this comes a little bit more into, for me, like, Buddhist practices and spiritual practices and stuff like that. There's nothing to do. You're already a blah, 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 blah. You both need to do what is needed in the moment, including reviewing the past or planning the future and experience fully the uniqueness of each mo- uh, moment in the moment. Not necessarily simultaneous. You can't do these things simultaneously, but you've got to address them both. Reminds me of the, the I think it's a Buddhist proverb, and it's um after ecstasy the laundry great example where you just you haven't had an intense spiritual moment where you have a major inside and it's time to do the fucking laundry exactly exactly that it's both it's both it's not just doing the laundry although another buddhist proverb is a uh chop wood carry water just focusing on the mundane but they there's something else, right? Like it's not just doing the mundane. That's that's not going to do it for you. So another one, and this is generally is when we're talking about regulating our emotions. We want some kind of like change. There's a middle path for the intense desire for change of the moment. This completely sucks. It cannot go on this way. Blah 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 blah. And radical acceptance of the moment. Fucking law of radical acceptance, which is deeper. It's a specific skill by itself. But these two extremes here that I'm talking about, so you both want to allow yourself to have that intense desire and to have something else than what is now. Don't be a doormat. But and you also have to radically accept that you live in your life in the present moment. You can't just like sweep it under the rug, get get rid of it, right? Like you can't. You have to make very deep peace and friends with that situation if it's something larger like if you got dirt or shit stuck to your hand you don't have to radically accept that because you can go wash your hands unless your water is out right so it's recognizing the situation where you need to use these skills and when you have a behavior change that you want to go through that is not something that you can just easily do. So there's a middle path. Self, the uh, same principle applies for self-denial and self-indulgence. You want to both practice moderation and satisfy the senses. That is so important for doing something sustainably. And you can think of your, uh, think of your own, your own, um, uh, favorite ones. Um, I have like some financial hangups, so I often think about in like on the one side, um, have a budget, have a good budget and be flexible. You get, you got to have both, um, you got to roll with the punches and, and, and be disciplined, right? So why is this hard? Why is this something that requires talking about in the first place? So there's biological factors and it's actually one of the most important ones. Sleep. So I've learned that over time (laughs) for sure. There's certain situations where I just don't even try anymore because for me, it's like, I can have, I can have two nights of bad sleep and, you know, I have one of those Fitbits that track it, but you know it yourself as well. But the moment that I get to that third night of sleep, like I I don't really, uh, a third night of bad sleep, I don't really like allow myself to do anything emotional anymore because I know that I'm going to get into trouble. Some situations you, you do get to that fourth night and the fourth night is a hard stop for me. That's when I would call in sick. That's when I would just stay in bed. Like no, no matter what the things, the -hmm. things are, of course, you know, there's, there is limits. Um, but if I'm in that state, I just know that I'm not going to do anything emotional, uh, anymore. So I would just, at that point, just. I'm not going to have hard conversations. It's just not going, going, going to happen. Lack of skills is another reason that it's hard. And this is a really interesting thing because it's fixable because if you have skills and you use them deliberately, you can get success. Also, what often happens is that we were reinforced to behave in a certain way. And I'm thinking a little bit more of the feminine, right? Where if you act out emotionally, you get something. So if your environment rewarded that, which was definitely the case for, for, for me, because that was one of the major ways that (coughs) I got attention in my, um, in my family situation. Um, if you, if you get rewarded, like that stays with you as a, as a tool. And I, I sometimes still see that in me that I use that acting out emotionally just because that has been had been successful for me in the past right moodiness is another one you it's it's being willful you don't really feel like it um you feel like it's the other person's responsibility it's um just and this is where uh, mindfulness and awareness comes into play as well because that's fine we are all moody at times but it is good to flag that and then opt out of certain things right this is again that balance you don't have to be uh i wanted to say a dalai lama the whole time but the entire time but clearly he's not completely even killed him being canceled and stuff like that but like Let's say a Buddhist monk then or something like that. That's not the state that you have to have all the time. That's not the state that this Buddhist monk has all the time, right? There's also myths. Like uh, CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, would, I believe, call it uh, limiting beliefs. And here it's called myths, in in this case, about emotions. And there's there's like a laundry list of them. There's some, some ones that I have personal experience with that I would want to call out. Uh, One of them is um, having feelings or emotions means being out of control. This is really the stoic, stiff upper lip. Think of um, masculine cultures, you know, um, where men don't feel emotions until they're drunk in in these situations. uh, Often you, you can imagine the, 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 the cultures where, where, You're you're either really, really buttoned down or you use the fact that you're imbibed as an excuse to, well, actually, I do have feelings. But then you don't really understand that because level of awareness is is low, right? But that is a myth. It's something that we all have and we can be in control. This can be true. It can be true to have an emotion and be out of control. That is that... That is, that's true, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? Extreme emotions can get you a lot further than trying to regulate. This is also personal for me because that has been true for me in the, in the past, uh, both extreme emotions in getting something done, right? Like if I would have an extreme emotion, extreme fear about not achieving a goal that would whip me into shape to actually Trying to get it done. So I would almost lean into that nervousness. Oh, now I really got to be nervous because if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble, right? So this myth that it's better to just fucking be scared of something like that than actually trying to regulate it. Now, again, these myths from certain perspectives, certain points of view, certain situations can be true, but by and large, it's not a way to live life By and large, if you know how to regulate something, and we're going to talk about what that exactly means, it's better. Another one is drama is cool or interesting or required or something like that. I am definitely prone to drama. Drama puts me in a state that I know, like the the state in the cycle that that I know, and distracts me from doing the actual thing that needs to be done, because I'm just over here being theatrical and creating some kind of drama and drama can be cool. That's why we go to movies and that's why we go to the theater and watch plays and stuff like that. Um, so again, uh, there is an aspect of it that's core required or human experience or stuff like that, but it is only skillful to an extent. And it distracts from what's actually going on. So let's talk about models of describing emotions. The thing with emotions is that we're all supposed to know what they are, where they come from. Um, It's it's what we learn growing up, right? This is not complicated. Well, it depends, right? It is not something that's currently taught in school, as far as I'm aware of. Like, at the basics, yes, I do remember having, like, these, like, drawings and then writing under that what kind of emotion that was. There are some level of these baked-in, simple emotions discussed. Uh, stuff like that, anger and problematic behaviors such as violence, lying, they were addressed, but if you didn't escalate into something really serious, um, or the wrong thing got even encouraged, um, and that's not something that was taught deeply. So maybe you do not have as good of a model of what happens when emotions come up and what emotions are in the first place. I do find it useful to think about it as a circular system, right? It's not that an emotion starts and, and now it's, it's, it's a messy feedback loop. It's a massively messy feedback loop. You can get start in, uh, um, stuck into an interference pattern, right? When like you turn a camera up on the monitor or a microphone to, the to the speaker, right, it, you can get st- stuck in an interference pattern. That's what. Anxiety is at least that's how Alan Watts describes it. I like that description. I have a visualization for you uh, as well. You know, those uh, NASCAR speedways, which are just like a, a long loop, an oval, uh, just a loop, but it has on-ramps on and off-ramps. It had maybe like few options, a pit stop, etc. And there's things that can take the on-ramp and, the circuit, like representing like sort of the, the stage of what's, what's, what's happening for you. Right. So it'd be You can be like in quiet contemplation and then maybe there's, uh, uh, there's a toddler on the tricycle going around the track and it's, it's real peaceful or a deer or whatever. Um, but an event can take the on-ramp, like something happens and in dbt it's called the prompting event. Um, and depending on what the event is if it's a car, if we use the speedway analogy, we have certain interpretations about that. Like, for example, a red car means a thing, or a car with driver X means that thing, right? That's, we have certain interpretations about that, and we could um, be in situations that we immediately dislike something. If, if, if a car enters with a certain sponsor on there, we're just like, oh, he's a piece of shit, or they're a piece of shit, or you know, whatever, so we have vulnerability factors, as in there are certain things that we know that we just don't like or don't dislike, like right? whatever, that's the same thing. So going back from like an analogy, like that's just a situation that something something happens that for person A can be not important at all, uh, uh, at all and person B um, can have a large problem with that. Like for example, if you've had some kind of like trauma where um your uh, freedom has been restricted by uh, by someone the moment that you get in a room where you don't have a clear way out or someone is standing in front of the door for person a that hasn't experienced that can be like sort of aware of that being like slightly threatening but okay the moment that you've actually been in a situation where that's the case you can flip the fuck out right vulnerability factors um, so you can see biological changes that happen in your body. And there's an analogy with the track. It's just like on what's, whatever is going on, on the, on the track, like cars go faster, slower, shift up, shift down, warm up, cool down. Drivers say things on the radio. Maybe one car slams into another car. Right. And we, more cars that we get on the circuit, the busier our brains get, like, because all kinds of events can keep happening. And if we don't process that event through, it might not leave the track. It keeps circling; like it stays in our awareness, and only so much fits in our awareness. Um, so we can see these cars as uh, as emotions in a way. I know that's a bit like the Pixar movie Inside Out, but you know, it works as an analogy. And certain. Cars slash emotions can have like certain tendencies to them, like the red car might have a nitro booster and ram into other cars and drivers just a total dick. So, you know, we can just the the presence of something like that can be a, a really large problem for us. Now, the feedback loops comes into play is as we become aware that there's many cars on the track and it's wreaking havoc on everything that's happening, right? Instead of just a quiet deer walking around the track and everything being nice and quiet, it's it's a fucking shit show and you're running out of fuel because there's this red car, you know, <laughs> redlining around that track uh, with the nitro booster on and and it's just sucking up all the fuel. So... You can't. At one point, ev- everything just comes to a stop there, and you can't do anything um, uh, anymore. Or what we really wanted to do is to take the off ramp to process through that the emotion, ex- the um, emotion accesses exits stage. Right. We might call that um, another prompting event, like the moment that 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 happens that something leaves or another event happens. Right. So these analogies can be helpful, but they can also make things more, uh, confusing because a car here is both an event and an, and an emotion. But, uh, the, the key here is to think about that. There's something that enters your awareness. There's changes that happen, like sort of on the stage, right? Um, um, your heart rate increases, you start to sweat or these kind of biological changes that gives you another like secondary uh, indication that something is going on at that scene, that, that, that red car. Uh, the equivalent there is that it might be like super noisy and your equivalent in your body might be like you get warm and you start to sweat. Because remember these emotions, a lot, lot of them, especially like sort of the more basic ones. They're, they lived in your body and your nervous system first before your, your brain. I don't know if that's ex- exactly scientifically accurate, but you can just like feel them in your body stronger than, than it's really like a thought sensation. At least that's how it, how it is for, uh, for me. So, what we're trying to manage here is like sort of the state of the track. We want to be skillful in like, we can't control what enters our track, right? Things show up. That's just how it is, but we wanna be skillful in being able to somewhat control what that car is going to do on our track and getting it to exit at one point, take the off-ramp. And that requires skill and it requires awareness and it requires not really getting lost in in that situation. A personal example for me is anxiety, right? I feel like every other car that enters my track represents anxiety in some way, and often the prompting event is that I become aware, or I think that I'm aware that there's some kind of expectation of me by someone, usually my partner. I interpret that as someone needing me to do something, and if I don't, I should give a good reason for that, such as I have work to do, or I want to exercise, or I'm stressed, but. My needs do come second, right? If someone needs something, it feels for me, which is probably part part of like appeasing my my mother, that that's just like immediately um, priority number number one. But the downside is, if you live that way, you can get resentful over over time. So. For me, it gets to like a messy situation where it's not just the fact that I'm aware of the situation that there's an expectation and that I want to do. And by itself, doing something for someone can be a very pleasant experience. But for me, there's a lot of secondary things happening. So the moment that that starts happening, there's other cars popping in as well that um, try to compensate for that. Where it's just like, oh no, I just don't want to just do what my dad did. I want to make sure that I'm not being taken advantage of, and that I'm making sure that I'm taking care of my needs, and etc. And etc. Cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, so I feel like I need to defend my position, but I'm not even sure what my position is. Right? So it becomes it becomes awkward, and I'm just like nervous about that situation. I don't know what to uh, what to do. Because maybe I'm doing too much of a good thing and maybe, maybe I don't. So this is really, that's really a major thing for, for me, knowing exactly where my needs stand and and this can apply to work situations as uh, as well, where I can very quickly forget about the fact that I had my personal plans and then something for work keeps up, uh, pops up and I want to be a good employee. Um, and, and I enjoyed that. I, it is part of, like, my love language with the universe or something like that to, to be helpful. I, I like that. That's just in my core. But I have to be careful of uh, of that. So I have a lot of anxiety cars running running around that I need to manage and allow to leave the track. Okay. So before we go into actually uh so this is a model of was a model of describing emotions right biological changes that that happen our vulnerability factors how we interpret those emotions or uh, uh, interpret the events that then lead to emotions and the feedback loop that can then happen right in order to really effectively do that you need to be able to describe the emotions and describing emotions is a skill so if you you might be you might be good at that you might not be good at that Um, and I've seen a lot with people that I've that I've worked with is that um, especially men tend to not be super good at recognizing emotion and there's like these emotion wheels I will include one in the um, in the show notes that for a lot of guys they don't even exactly know w- how to recognize specific uh, emotions right and so a couple of ones that are m- maybe more s- straightforward is, is like fear and, and subsets of that, right? You have to fear, you, but you have also anxiety, apprehension, dread, edginess, fright, horror, hysteria, jumpiness, nervousness, overwhelmness, panic, shock, tenseness, terror, uneasiness, and worry. You know, Those, those are all slightly different, right? I, I remember a story of uh, a guy that I talked to who was going through a rough thing, and he thought that he was getting like really anxious at one point, but then he like kinda like stopped and thought about it and he was like, No, actually I'm hungry. Like this that that's that's what I kinda mean. Like sometimes recognizing emotions because you recognize them in your body, you can have a misdirect and actually I feel something in my stomach, but it's just like because I'm fucking hungry. So I found that uh I found that funny. So the question is if you recognize these emotions in yourself and you look at an, an emotion. Well, and I read out the ones for fear, but I, we can go into like envy or disgust or anger as well. Right. Um, so. The different emotions and distinguishing between them is, is important. Is it fear or is it anger? Is there anger under the fear, like relationships between, between, uh, that and like i said the feeling them in your body which sounds woo woo but it's 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 a it's a helpful um signpost let's see um other interesting things that i've read about like there's a lot of examples that i find important or found interesting is about men who didn't really feel emotions at all at least that's what they said and then often it lives somewhere in your body like uh, a locked jaw or tmj can can be an example of like especially like in military men that you know are not really brought up to feel a lot of emotion and stuff like that you have examples of some some somatic therapists that feel that they just have everything stored in their jaw and and Sort of prevents them from feeling anything, anything else. That's why there is something like somatic therapy that really f- focuses on where in your body something is. So it gives you an indication of how to uh, how to address it. So by watching your biological changes, you can trace what the emotion uh, is. So disgust and fear are probably very hardwired; those are not really hard to spot. But jealousy, for example, is is less so like jealousy of course entered the stage later because you need a social system you need a concept of self before you can really be jealous right i can imagine that if you're lower lower on the consciousness uh totem pole like it, if you don't have that much of is a bird going to be jealous of another bird like of course i don't know we don't know what their experiences are but you you can see that that fear in a bird makes more sense because fear is so much associated with uh, heart pumping and stuff like that versus jealousy. Uh, just like shame and guilt, which are very interesting emotions that are problematic for me, especially shame. Um, I doubt that fishes struggle with shame. I doubt that my dog struggles with shame. I doubt. But guilt, maybe. Maybe there's a little bit of guilt that, that they're capable of. But shame, I doubt it. I doubt it. What's the difference between guilt and shame, by the way? Guilt is that you feel bad about something you did that violated some boundary that you have or society has. And shame is you're ashamed about, about who you are, like, um, not about what you did necessarily, but who you are. And you are afraid that if you get exposed for who you are, that you will be, uh, rejected by society. Which is the reason that shame exists, because that allows you to fucking bullshit some things so that you don't get kicked out of your village, which is good for survival. But it's also like um, a short-term fix or something like that. It's kind of like the bullshit way out that you sometimes have to take because life's not perfect, right? So I I do think a little bit about these emotions that are related to what was useful for like sort of bare basic survival versus society survival. Um, and you got to feel them out in a different way. Generally like these shame, guilt, jealousy, envy, they're, they're like a little bit more, um, intellectual in a, in a way, but I've seen major improvements for people that started actually carrying around a printout of an emotion wheel and you can google for it i'll leave it in the show notes just to see what they're really feeling and how to tell that and especially if you're st- stuck in some kind of like compulsive pattern that seems to really be step 1 just recognizing the emotion i've um episode from an, another youtube channel that i really really like and the title is uh, awareness alone can be curative or awareness alone is curative by leo from actualize.org i really recommend it that. that was a major, a major thing for me to uh, to watch. Cool. So without knowing, you can't regulate it. Without awareness, you can't. So I recommend you start there. So now we get to emotional responses. And in a way, we've been talking for how long now. And the changing of emotional responses, funnily enough, is actually pretty fucking simple. Once you have the emotion clear in your sights and you can remain present you can experience you can feel it the rest is sort of child's play that's the funny thing the hard the hard part is just like hanging recognizing not starting to do something else i found that really funny while preparing this this episode where because we're kind of like at the end of it um it is going to be a two-parter because I want to talk about three skills, and these are DBT skills. But I will um, give some personal examples and why they worked for me very, very well uh, as well. And then there's uh, a bit more that's to come, but I want to do that in a separate episode. And that actually coincides the second episode coincides a lot about like be a building a meaningful life and doing things that makes you happy because it turns out that it has a lot to do with emotion regulation. But more about that later. We're, we're focusing on the on on the basics now. So what are the basics the moment that you want to regulate these emotions? I mean, first of all, you have to become aware of them. That's what we've been, been talking about. Nothing like of this works unless you train the ability to be aware and to like, sort of like stop in a moment to take that meta perspective, right? And that's hard. That's the hard part. I think the moment that you have that, what you can do is check the facts. So check the facts is is a skill there. And it's described as check out whether your emotional reaction fits the facts of the situation. Changing your beliefs and assumptions to fit the facts can help you change your emotional reactions to situations. So I don't really like the premise of changing your emotions. And this is where it's like sort of like tricky and nested into itself because. The emotion that you have, like, it doesn't really help to be like, oh, this is a wrong emotion. No, the emotion is the emotion. It's it's allowed to be there. But th- this is like that middle path thing again. You can want to change things about that. As long as you don't reject the current moment. It's like, I don't want to feel this. Well, you're feeling the fucking fear. Deal with it, right? And, and what can I do? Like, how can I manage that, process that? So this is more of an art than a science, because how do you check the facts? I mean, what are facts to begin with? Like you can have a nice existential conversation about like what actually is factual. But for the purposes of, of what we're talking about is like let the factual aspect of what's, what you are aware of. Right. And th- those are then still your facts, your facts, because everyone looks at these things kind of different. But you can still, even in that situation, take a little bit of distance and and look at the fact, OK, I'm feeling this right now. I'm feeling this anxiety. OK. What's what's the cause of that? What what, what are what are the things that happened in me? Right. What are the facts that uh, that fit that? Like, um, for example, um, my, my 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 boss told me that we need to have a presentation by by friday um and i might feel burdened by that. i feel like i have to do that and i'm like really nervous about that but if you just look at the facts it might be like okay your boss said that he needs that presentation but they didn't ask you i wasn't tasked to you it's just like he's aware that that needs to happen. So should I be feeling like, does that make sense? Is it justified for me to feel in that, in that way? Um, Other examples can be for, uh, for, for, for anger. Like someone expressing that, um, for example, the conversation you're having is boring to them. Right, that can be like sort of jarring to hear. That can make you like sort of angry or insecure. But then generally that expresses itself through uh, through anger or isolation or something uh, something like that. But then you can just like sit back and think about, okay, does that statement that that person give, just, ju- does it justify this emotion? Can it just not just be the thing? OK, that's not what they find interesting is what I f- it's not doesn't mean that I'm like bad or wrong or something like that. It's not just something that doesn't quite resonate with uh, with them. And it does for me, it doesn't s- say that they're bad, I'm good or the other way around. Right. So it starts by this really identifying, of course, what the emotion is that you're uh, that you're feeling it's as well like remember that model that we were talking about the the racetrack um what's what's the event that prompted the emotion what's what's the thing that entered your awareness the car that entered the track that like star that this entire thing you need awareness for that that can be hard because often these things start hours before especially as you're getting better at that What are my interpretations, thoughts and assumptions about that, that event? Oh, my boss said he needs a presentation. Okay. That must mean that I would have to make that presentation, right? Um, that's an assumption. Um, she said that this topic is boring. Ah, that must mean that she thinks I'm boring. Oh, fuck. Am I assuming a threat? Yeah. And generally that's, that's the case. And what's the crisis, right? If you go through these steps that you can ask yourself the question is, does my emotion or its intensity and or its intensity actually fit the facts that I'm aware of, right? Still your personal view on the facts. An intensity of duration of emotions are generally justified by how likely is it that the expected outcomes will occur, like your doom scenario. How great and or important are these outcomes and how effective is the emotion in your life right now? Effectiveness being, does it make you effective to, um, because emotions enable you to do things. Is this emotion helping you move in the direction that you want to be moving in, right? So if it is very unlikely that the expected outcome, so if you're nervous about your company going bankrupt or something, uh, something like that, Okay, that's that's how, how likely is that? Are you just like egging yourself on, making yourself nervous? Oftentimes it is like that. Um, and some some situations that we get really get hung up on, that's the that second part, is like the outcomes don't really matter. Like left or right, it's, it's, it's fine. Like you're at a random party and you're afraid that the people don't like you. So fucking why? How are you going to see these people again? Like no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like, and effectiveness of the emotion. I find that one really important because that really like that emotion probably was effective for you at one point in your life. Otherwise, it wouldn't show up on the scene, right? But is it still? And that can be a very good like sort of change agent realizing like, no, this is actually not effective. So check the facts allows you to go into two different branches, really. The check the facts is required to see, do I wanna do A, opposite action, or B, do I wanna go and problem solve, right? Because it's possible, let's start problem solving because a guy maybe you're a guy maybe not but (laughs) people in general we love problem solving that's great you know and partially is um unless we've actually verified that the thing is a problem um problem solving doesn't doesn't help right we're going to solve the wrong problem at this point so When the facts themselves are the problem, solving the problem will reduce the frequency of the emotions. And that's true. If I'm anxious about procrastinating because I've not been going to work for three days or have been late or something like that, there is a threat. There is a crisis. My emotion is justified. Maybe it's a little too intense, but it's justified. And now I'm going to reduce my anxiety by actually creating a plan so that I can get to work on time. So that I stop, um, what's the word procrastinating, but there's often situations as well where that's not the case, Like I would love every emotion to be a reason for me to problem solve because I fucking love problem solving. I can do that all day long. Wonderful. But oftentimes, and this is where opposite action comes in when your emotions do not fit the facts, when they're not justified, right? that means like your emotion is leading you into a direction that you actually don't want to go but it's emotion it's a fucking strong so you're going to do that unless you have a good way like a different tool in your tool belt that you can pull out opposite action is that right so when your emotions do not fit the fact or when acting on your emotion will not be effective and remember you don't know that but that's like if if you're just taking this moment to reflect, you're thinking like, no, this will be not, not be effective. Acting opposite all the way can change well, it says can change your emotional reaction. I'm like a little like ambivalent about that that way, but it can change your behavior. And ultimately what you want to change your behavior and your emotions will start adjusting to that. I don't think that the the goal is to change your emotions I, the question i question if it's even possible but what is possible is to change your behaviors and that has a feedback loop with your with your emotions especially if you see the effect of your actions create self-esteem etc cetera, etc cetera, and stuff uh, stuff like that so it's as simple as that it's as simple as that once you have the skill set to be able to recognize the emotions that i'm feeling trace back the breadcrumb trail of how that happened see how you interpret things how you bring things to the to the scene like what kind of thoughts assumptions you uh, you have and then see okay what am i mentioning in my head is the threat is the crisis and does it fit the facts if you can do that you can then decide am i going to do opposite action am i going to not do what this emotion tells me um or am I going to problem solve? Just good old problem solving that we uh, that we know and love, right? Just going through my notes, seeing if there's anything that I want to mention here more. Um, let's see. Yeah, there was an, an interesting thing. A couple of things that I want to mention about opposite action. What I found out handy is a couple of these examples. So, um, an emotion has an action urge and an opposite action, right? And then DBT makes also the distinction of acting opposite all the way. So really going against it. So you can do it like soft or hard. So let's go through a couple of examples. I think they're good. Fear. What's my action urge? Run away or avoid. What's my opposite action approach? Don't avoid. Anger my action urges attack. Opposite action is gently avoid be a little nice right Sadness. I want to withdraw, I want to go away. I want to isolate. uh-uh. Opposite action is get active. Shame big one for me hiding avoid. take care of your own needs. Opposite action is actually go out seek a group of people that you can tell it to, who will accept you. Very, very important. Doesn't mean you tell the next stranger on the street, but it does mean you got to find your tribe where you can express that. So I, I, I found these these quite, um, quite helpful. Some of the opposite actions are more focused on doing it over and over and over again. So it's more like the repetition. And there's also the the way where you do it all the way which is really like sort of intense right so the all the way opposite for fear for example is keep your eyes and ears open and focus on the feared event like look at like straight into like its jaws look around slowly explore so do everything like normally when you're afraid you're like jittery and stuff like that No, the other thing all the way Take in information from the situation, notice you're safe and do it with like sort of this predisposition that you are safe. Do not find threats, find reasons that you're safe. Change your posture, keep a confident uh, voice tone, right? Keep your head, your eyes up, your shoulders back and relaxed, assertive body postures, things like that, and change your body chemistry right based breathing, deep breathing things like that because remember that a lot of these emotions coupled with your nervous system so that means by changing the state of your nervous system you change the emotion. So that's that's a great example. I'll do another one for uh, disgust or let's do one for shame you know so, Opposite action for shame is um, make public your personal characteristics or your behavior with people that don't reject you, right? Instead of um, isolating yourself, repeat the behavior actually that sets off the shame over and over without hiding the behavior from those that don't, who won't reject you. So that's like sort of programming, reprogramming uh, that. And then all the way. Opposite action all the way, uh, going all the way is just no apologizing or trying to make up for a perceived transgression. And taking all the information out the situation and again changing your body posture, looking proud instead of ashamed of the thing that you have. And there's many like examples that you can um, you can get uh, think of especially like sort of in hollywood kind of like movies where you transmute shame into actually a thing that you're proud of and it's it's often the plot of a movie that you know someone has like a thing that they're ashamed of can be like a body thing or something like that and they're just like hiding it all the time and then the end of the movie it's like flip the polar opposite and that's actually the reason that they're that they're that they're that they're great right um note that that's a little bit different like i always mix up shame and and guilt uh guilt is a little bit uh different because guilt you do feel when you've actually did a transgression that you don't agree with like you violated your own um your own standards of behavior but anyways let's get back on uh back on track I like to talk about um, your environment. So we're bringing it in for a landing here. Um, It can be also hard that if your environment doesn't grow with you, because others suck at self-regulation. And why would you go through all of this effort if your peers don't, if your family doesn't, if your dad doesn't, if your partner doesn't? But that's like allowing yourself to binge drink because your peers do it which happens all the time, so you can. You don't have to scoop to that level. It doesn't have to be fair. Yes, there is an added effort that comes with rising above. That's the gravity effect, the crabs in a bucket. And yes, people will hate, judge, and criticize you for it. Look at Mr. or Mrs. Uppity, um, and yes, they will push you to a place where you lose the capability of self-regulation. This is the crabs in a bucket. Even if you're the crab that's like really fucking good at like getting out of that bucket, you will get pulled down at one point. So key part of emotion regulation is not succeeding at it, sadly, or whatever. It's it's just how it is. And think um think as well of like a baby or or spiritual guru from that matter, they can shift between a state of intense joy to utter misery in microseconds. Right. That's mainly for a baby. A guru, I think of like, contrary, you expect a guru to be like, very like, even keeled and stuff like that. But gurus, there's good (laughs) stories about that. They can become so angry that the entire room shudders. Right. It's not that the guru is incapable of anger, but... But a few moments later, it's over. You're just like an emotional superconductor, right? So, what you're trying to do when you're regulating your emotions is guiding them into a direction that you find effective, that goes into the, your goals of life, who you want to be, and stuff stuff like that. Because there's nothing like you don't have to regulate your emotions. You can be an angry fuck and get in bar fights. That's that's fine. You can be like caught up in a compulsive born watching a masturbation and just like waste your life like I mean I'm being judgmental here but maybe that's your love language that you just want, want to want to do that and and that's your your the best life that you can imagine hey that's fine um so the the, the question in this in these situations is just more like what do you really want to want to want to achieve um, and being open to not being able to do that all the, all the time, right? This is the whole thing where I'm talking about your, your environment and the fact that the guru can be, become very angry, but then it passes through you. So even if you don't regulate it at at the first swing, you kind of catch it on the rebound, right? Because what often happens for me is that I get so upset that I acted like an ass in response to emotion a I just got like really defensive and then I just kind of like feel like I have to stick with that because I'm caught in like the emotional like secondary reaction to what I just did so if you can't do it on step one you can do it on a rebound still so you don't have to be perfect and the great thing about rebounds is like ball (laughs) bounces multiple times. You are going to have a lot of options to correct it. You don't; it doesn't have to be in the exact moment, right? So, there's also grace and self forgiveness. Like the baby has no ego of a much sense of the past and present, and the guru is enlightened. <laughs> so, there's there's you know, I, I wouldn't say that a baby has grace or self forgiveness. It just doesn't really have a concept of. Like how how cause and effect works. But the guru does have like sort of that same capacity as a baby has, but has grace and self-forgiveness because ruminating on your failings is not effective. Self-reflecting is like taking forward action. This is another thing that, in my personal examples, I have often not self-reflected. This is very much happened in my family as well. like something would happen. And then no one would talk about it. Uh, maybe there was like some kind of like material side thingy to it. Do you understand or have examples of these arguments that you might have in your life where ultimately you're just talking about like the fucking like laundry that's not in the basket, and and you think that at the end of the three hour argument that the takeaway is that you should put. The laundry in the basket, and that's it. But that's not the takeaway. Generally, the takeaway is much more on an emotional level. It's probably more about your partner being hurt, and and you're going on about whether or not things belong in the hamper, or you make up rationalizations why you didn't put your workout clothes in there because they were still wet, and blah blah blah, blah whatever. It it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter. It's fucking ridiculous. It's um the self-reflecting on that process is it's generally not about like the ma- material thing that you really decide on like so uh, anyways that ties into like more of your environment and how that can affect your growth and capabilities Um, so let's let's wrap up so um, we looked at a lot of <laughs> a lot of things um what emotions are the definitions, Uh, but some personal examples, knowing what your, your level of emotion regulation is, how you recognize that you might need this work. We went into, um, recognizing, recognizing emotions, um, what makes it hard to regulate emotions, biology, lack of skills, et cetera, et cetera. We developed a model to describe these emotions so that we can like more reflect on, and we can have a breadcrumb trail back with that awareness on where our emotion started. Um, And we talked about changing the emotional responses and or the behaviors associated uh, with that, specific skills, checking the facts. And depending on what the facts tell us, opposite action or problem solving. Talked about how your environment might respond to that and how your environment influences uh, influences that. And uh, like I said, I have an exciting next episode coming up um, on sort of the second part of emotion regulation. This is the very practical ABC um, first aid um, skill set. And there is something more where part of emotion regulation is also making sure you have a really fertile ground and you're feeling really in a good solid place with yourself about yourself so that you can handle whatever the universe throws at at you. Sounds maybe a little mysterious, um, but stay tuned for the next episode. This has been Vincent, and thank you very much for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Bye now.